so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. The Lord is my shepherd. And you know, we follow that, we follow that sermon through, we follow those scriptures through. And David was doing it tough and he's looking back on his life. But you know, today I want to say to you that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. That this, this, as I prepared for this week, I was reminded of Jesus and his first miracle, which is really interesting because Nick's talking about sitting, a, you know, having a glass of wine. And Jesus went to that wedding, and he's in the wedding, and, and they say that we've run out of wine. Can you help us? And sort of, he's there in Cana and Galilee, and the master came, and Jesus converted this water to wine, and the master of ceremonies came up, and he probably taste the wine because he doesn't want to poison all the guests. And he calls the bridegroom aside and says this in John 2 from verse 10. It says this, it, everyone brings out their choice drinks first and then the cheaper wine gets when everyone's had too much to drink. But you, you save the best till now. And you know, what a caterer we have in Jesus. That, that could be a new song, but it's a pretty... <laughs> You know, he fed the 5,000. He turns water into wine. The best is yet to come. And I actually really felt something rise up in my spirit and say to you this morning, the best is yet to come. But it is really, I love love this scripture. You know, it says the best is yet to come. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely God saved the best to last in in this little psalm. There's six verses and we finish it today. But surely, you know, I think that for David was his Christian walk. And for our Christian life, our walk, for my walk, this is it. Surely goodness and mercy. I love the passion translation of this. It says, so why would I fear the future? Guys, I want to say, why are we fearing the future? Why do we have to fear? Only goodness and tender love will pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward... After my life's through, and guess what? That's a guarantee. All our lives at some point will be through. Then I'll return to the glorious presence with you and be with you forever. How long do we get to spend with God? Forever. Eternity. Forever and ever and ever. It's not 10 minutes. It's forever. So let's take an eternal viewpoint of this this whole psalm. Psalm 23 starts and ends with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. It starts when we surrender our hearts to Jesus. That's where it started for me in 1996. 2nd of April, 8.35 p.m. in the evening. People always say, why are you so precise? I said, because two minutes before that, I had a plan to take my life. Two minutes after that, my life was saved for eternity. And I'm so grateful to God. And I don't apologize for sharing that ever. Because that is God in my life. And it is God for you. And somebody shared this morning of some struggles very similar to that. And we, it's like we could stand and pray as brother and sister and brother and brother and pray for situations. So, you know, this is a very personal psalm. It starts with the Lord, it ends with the Lord. I'm not going to read right through that psalm, but as I read through it, as I was preparing again, you know, the word me is in it seven times. The word I is in it four times, and the word my is in it six times. Seventeen times David is given a personal account of how good God is to him. 
And he's finishing it off with this amazing feast. This is the best feast we're ever going to have. Surely, goodness and mercy. It's personal. It's intimate. David's reflecting on his long and tough life. He's not a young man writing this psalm. He's looking back over his life and he's, he's thinking about, you know, when he walked through the valley of shadow of death. And, and thank you, Jill, for going, you know, I will fear no evil when I walk through there. Why? Because I've got an eternal viewpoint. Live or die, I win. I win. I love it. You know, it ends, it ends in the Lord's house forever. Dale Moody put it this way. I love this thing in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is with me. Beneath me, he's beneath me because I'm on green pastures. He's beside me in the still waters. Before me, he puts a table. Around me are my enemies. Even in the middle of the battle, he sets a table and goes, you can't touch them because they're my kids. After me is goodness and mercy following me. And ahead of me is the house of the Lord forever. Forever. It's amazing. It's an amazing picture of our Christian walk. Now, whatever, and it was Carl was saying earlier, it doesn't matter where you are on that walk, surely goodness and mercy will follow after you. So there's only two things really I want to talk about this morning. The first one is, surely goodness and mercy will follow after me. You see, since I gave my life on the 2nd of April, 1996, Jesus has led me, he's guided me, he's provided for me, he's given me rest, and he's given me restoration, and he's still doing that. I'm not perfect. I kind of stuff up, just... Come and spend a couple of days in our house, and you'll find out. I've talked to my wife. Pam will tell you. Keith is not perfect. But he leads me on these righteous paths for his namesake. And he says in there, he anoints my head with oil. That's an amazing thing. You know, Aaron's beard was anointed. It just ran down. He anoints my head with oil, but my cup runs over. We never run out with him. But then he flows into this beautiful Last verse, the best is yet to come. You know, we were at the assembly yesterday and at the end of the first day, this lady stood up and said, the best is yet to come. And I went, yeah, you're going to talk about Psalm 23. Do you know what she talked about? Finances. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you beautiful accountants. I'm thank you for them. But no, it wasn't the best. But the best here is yet to come. You know, there's two points out of these. Our walk is filled with goodness and it's filled with mercy. Surely goodness and mercy and, and goodness in, in Hebrew, surely, the word surely in Hebrew is, is actually translated as only. And in some, ver- some scripture it says, only, only goodness chases after me. Only goodness, only mercy. But surely, you know, it's a total assurance that David is portraying here, but it's our total assurance. And I told you, two minutes after I gave my life to Jesus, I had this amazing assurance that, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's not perfect. We're not, I'm on a journey. But it wasn't a maybe. And it wasn't a maybe when we surrender our lives to, to Jesus. It was assurance, totally assured. And that caused me to stop and think this week as I was preparing. You know, surely goodness and mercy follow me. And I, it started me to think about what God has done in my family and probably what he's done in your family. I started thinking about my, my marriage of 42 years in next month. And I've known Pam since I was 16. I know that, you know, those numbers don't correlate when you look at me. You know, you think, how can he do that, 24? I was never good at numbers. But, you know, surely 42 years of marriage, three beautiful kids who love Jesus, five grandkids. I started thinking in, you know, of the YCB family that God's just parachuted us in. I went, wow, goodness and mercy. 
And now despite my circumstances, goodness and mercy have followed me. Because in that journey, 42 years of marriage and and my Christian walk from 36 years of age, even before that, God was pursuing me with his goodness and his mercy. And it wasn't until everything in my hand was broken and I gave up and turned around and he was there. You know, he's always behind. And, and so there was a prayer this morning for those people. You know, and they're, they're walking through maybe family members. But, you know, we know that all it takes is turning and seeing Jesus. So since I surrendered. So it starts with this surrender. When we can call Jesus our shepherd. Surely is certain. Mercy is also translated as loving kindness. And we're going to go on a series of love in a little, a little while. Talking about love and identity. But, you know, David's looking over his life. He's looking at the ins and the outs. Even the valley in verse 4, when he was hiding in a cave, when he was feigning mental illness, when his son Absalom rebelled against him. And we've walked through those journeys, and many of you probably have, when your kids are going, you know what, that Jesus stuff, leave me alone with it. And yet you plant the seeds and the Holy Spirit waters them. Even when Bathsheba and her son died, David was certain. We can be certain that goodness and mercy follow all the days of our life. You know, Joseph, Joseph in Genesis 50, 20. You know, he'd, he'd had a tough life. His brothers even chucked him down a well. And in the end, he became a king and, and they were presented to him. And he said this in, in 50, 20, Genesis. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives meant it for God's, God's goodness and God's glory. And you know, Psalm 23.6 actually has a New Testament translation of that. In Romans 8.28, it says this, And now we can be certain that all things God works to good. I spoke about it a few weeks ago. We can be certain, we know, and we know, we can be certain that in all things God works to good for, the, for those who love him and have been called to his purposes. We know. It doesn't say everything's good. I said that a few weeks ago. It says God turns everything to good for those who love him. It's qualified by those who love him and are called to his purpose. Once we give our lives to Jesus, once we surrender, we're called to his purpose. We don't have to fear the future, as it said in the Passion. When you're surrendered 100%, when the Lord is the Lord of your life 100%, you can be certain that everything turns around. Everything. I thought about that. It's like a cake, you know, sort of, I, I don't bake great cakes. I tried a microwave once, once. Have you ever tried them? They bounce off the wall. They're like rubber. Oh, they're awful. I did bake one, and Pam was quite impressed, but, you know, I've been sitting there. But we had a cake. We had a couple of cakes on here last week. And it was like, if you sit in the house and the cake, and you smell it coming out the oven, you go, wow. Almost drives me to pre- uh, preaching tongues, but that's another story. But it's like, oh, that smell of that cake. But if you take the raw flour and pop it in your mouth, it's pretty, you can have an egg or a bit of salt. But you put it together and it's kind of like Psalm 23, verse 6. God's mixed it all together, the the walk of our life, of our circumstances. You know, the good and the bad. He bakes us in the oven and sometimes it's the Holy Spirit that turns up the heat to actually get rid of some of the, the tough stuff. Because God has a good plan for us. He has a good plan. So he sends this goodness and mercy And we talked about the shepherd. The shepherd's leading us. The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd leads. But in England, we have sheepdogs. And they have have different types of dogs over here, I'm guessing, on farms. But, you know, they have these border collies. And they round up the sheep. And they come behind. And it's like goodness and mercy. And I thought, 
I've got two Labradors, but if I had two of those, call them goodness and mercy. They, it's like they're chasing you up. They're following you up to make sure you walk on this path. But why is there goodness and mercy? Glad you asked that. Charles, you know, Charles Spurgeon described the, the goodness and mercy as like two footmen. Two footmen on the back of the coach, and they got there to serve. When the coach stopped, they were there. They were serving you. They were helping you. But goodness and mercy, goodness and loving kindness, you know, they're the two attributes of God. You see, goodness, goodness is actually there for our steps, the steps we take. Now, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. So as he's leading me, as I'm taking those steps, he's goodness, because God is good all the time. As we've discussed this morning, God is good. He never stops being good, ever. There's no bit of darkness in him. He's good. So it's for our steps. But mercy, his loving kindness, is for the slips. And I don't know about you, but I make a few slips along life's journey. I make a few slips. I've made lots of errors in my life. And I've had to repent of a lot of things. So it's for steps, for goodness. The goodness also, he provides everything. He says he'll turn it to good. But mercy is about our pardon and our forgiveness. Goodness meets our needs. It's the bounty of God. It leads us to repentance. It convicts us of sin. You know, I wasn't bashed into the kingdom. That didn't happen. A few people tried it, but if you'd have known me back then, you'd have got a right hook because I was pretty good at boxing. Back off. The person who really had the most impact in my life, he used to turn up at my house. He was a beautiful man. He used to be an MI5, which that's ASIO in Australia. And, and when he started turning up at my house with his sandwiches to just have lunch with me before I went on a late shift, I'd say to Pam, is this guy like, do you tell him when I'm on late? Nope. And I started thinking he was like Asia, sparing mine. But no, it was the Holy Spirit. And, and Brian, he's with the Lord now. And we can talk about that. That's the last part of this, you know, this thing. The goodness and mercy leads us to the Father's house. But he loved me into the kingdom. He'd turn up and he knew my struggles. And he never beat me up. He just said, hey, Keith, how are you today? How's things going? So it's that love that brings us to repentance. It causes the prodigals to come home. You know, it's the one that the father's looking down for the prodigal. He's waiting. He's anticipating. And then when he comes home, he wraps his arms around him. He didn't tell him, what are you doing? Spending all the money. He said, welcome home. But mercy, mercy forgives our faults. It cares for our spiritual well-being when we fall. And you know, it's the love of God. Mercy is the love of Christ that changes us. It's in God's heart. These two things are attributes of God. Surely is an exclamation mark of confidence. It's godly confidence. I'm not confident in me to get through next week, never mind, or tomorrow. But I'm confident that surely goodness and mercy will follow me with Dad. All the days of my life. All the days, it says. On the good days, the bad days. On the days when you're grieving. On the days when you're celebrating. On the, on the day when maybe you've lost your job. And on the day you get a new appointment. It doesn't matter what the day is. Surely goodness and mercy follow these things. But we can often doubt that. We can doubt that as Christians. I did. I, I, I doubt it often. You know, why did that thing? Why did my son have to go to a psychiatric facility? Why did I get beaten up there? Why did, if God is good, and we often get asked those questions, if God's so good, why did those things happen? Sadly, we live in a broken world, but I love in Psalm 73, it's a Psalm of Asaph, and we're not going to go through the whole Psalm, but I'd encourage you to go and listen to it. Asaph is there, he's talking, he says, surely God is, is good to Israel, to those who have a pure heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped and I nearly lost my foothold. And you know, on occasions, my feet have nearly slipped and I've nearly lost my foothold. And I look at these people who don't even know Jesus. 
they're atheists and they go out and they do everything. They're driving Mercedes and they've got a good job and they're getting pay rises. And Lord, I come to church. I struggle. I do these things. I battle these things. But I love it. As Asaph goes through, he goes, I got my eye off God. I got my eye off Jesus. See, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our lives, not on what those around us who you know, are doing because they might get rich and they might get all these things, but it doesn't matter. Then Asaph went to church. He rocked up at the temple and it goes through and it says, you know, they're, they're all getting prosperous, but it caused Asaph to start thinking with an eternal viewpoint. And, you know, when Pam had a diagnosis and when, on another occasion where I nearly lost my wife as she was swimming and caught in a rip, I thought she was going to die. Those times caused me to start to think about eternity. We need to get our eyes on eternity and have an eternal viewpoint. And, and Asif says, he goes, I came back to the Lord because I realized the people I'm jealous of are on a slippery path. The people, are, you know, they're going to wake up, it says in, in Psalm 73, they're going to wake up one morning and they're going to be dead. They're going to be in hell. I realize how good God you are. Do you guide me and you leave me? Truly God chases after those who have a clean heart. Our job is to keep our hearts clean before the Lord. To love each other, to be, you know, come before that. So when we look back, I look back now and I said, God was following me even when I didn't know him. Even when difficulties, he was there. And God used those circumstances to actually humble me. To take me to a place where, you know, it was all about Jesus and not all about Keith. Because for many years, Pam it was all about Keith and his pride. But this stuff is not about pride. It's about keeping a clean heart. He weaned me off the things of this world and how can I get rich and put me on the things of heaven. Let's look at the eternal viewpoint. And it made me think, and we're all going to die, as I said earlier, we're going to all arrive at that place where we've, you know, we go before the Lord. And so I started thinking about it. It's not about making it so spiritual and so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. So I don't think God wants that either. He wants us to be eyes on eternity so that we can share the gospel. But when he, when he healed, he healed Pam, and, I, and Pam was set free, and I celebrated that. That was one of my high days. We had these x-rays, and there's this thing on my wife's lung, and it's gone. And I praise God, and that's not always the story, though. But it caused me to think about heaven. Where are we going to spend eternity? And you know, eight years before I got saved, a couple of people, we were going to get our daughter uh, christened, as you do in the Anglican church. You know, because we were born-again heathens, and we needed, we needed to have some assurance. And these people came around, and actually a couple of these people are going to come here in November, spend time with us, and they asked us the question, if you die tomorrow, where are you going to go? And I had all the answers. Yabbity, yabbity, oh, this, whatever. And I gave them all the answers that they wanted to hear. I really was scared about it, but I gave them all the answers. Pam, I don't know, but she went and found out, and she got saved. I was so full of pride that it took me an eight, eight years later to actually realize that I didn't know where I was going. I love it the way Paul... Yeah, David, David stumbled and he suffered, and he, but Paul puts it this way in Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. See, God's begun a good work in all of us and he will bring it to completion. But we've just got to get our eyes on him. We've got to get our eyes on eternity. This is the second thing. But really, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then it says, I will dwell, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, God does save the best for last. 
He really does save the best for last. You know, if you're not a believer, then today is the closest you'll get to heaven ever. But as believers, this is probably the closest we'll ever get to hell because the light gets brighter and brighter as we get closer to eternity. Now, either Jesus is going to come back and take me, but, or he's going to take me up there when I die. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. We're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's not a holiday. It's not a couple of days away and have a break. It's forever. You know, it's, I love that song in Amazing Grace. It says this. You know, you, beautiful song. We've sung it here. When we've been there 10,000 years, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We've got another 10,000. Let's go another 10,000. And another 10,000. Because we're there for eternity. It's amazing. You know, we have absolute assurance. David is talking about heaven here, not some temple. Some people thought, oh, that's a temple. He's talking, it's absolute assurance. I've had some people go, oh, I don't know about the heaven thing. Don't ever want to go there. They sing a lot. <laughs> Man, we have beautiful worship. We have drums. Thank you, Ellen. It's like, you know, I've got news for you. When we get up there, David's going to have his heart plugged into more amps than you see here. It's going to be loud. We're going to rock that place. We're Heaven's not just a destination. Heaven isn't, isn't pie in the sky when you die. It's actually cake on, the, on your plate while you wait. It's actually cake here. Pam, Pam actually prayed. More cake. See, we're back to cake. But Pam prayed this morning. He said, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We can, we can pull this stuff down. Heaven is a real place though. And, and I'll start you know, to think about this stuff. Heaven is a real place. It's a physical place, not a state of being. You know, I'm not going to float up into some ether. John 14, 2 to 3 says this in, in the NIV. My father's house has many rooms. If that wasn't so, would I have told you that? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. God's going there to prepare a place. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare it, I will come back and I'll take you there with me so you may also be where I am. We get to go to eternity forever and ever. Whether it's when we die or when Jesus comes and returns to this earth. And Paul talks about this real place. He says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 2, he said, I know a man in Christ, talking about himself, who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, or whether out of the body, I don't know. God knows such, as, such a one was caught up in the third heaven. He was caught up in the third heaven. Paul went up there in the third heaven. People go, oh, there's all these levels, and you know, if you're good, you're going to be on that level. No. When, when God was leading the Israelites through, he said he gave them a cloud by day and fire by night. If we walk out there and look, we look up, it's like, there's the day, there's heaven. You go up and look at the stars. Whenever you turn the lights, we get a blessing of not having street lights where we are. And we just, you turn out and you look at the stars and you go, wow. Look at those stars. It's like, that's the second heaven. And then, so we get the first one by day and the second one by night. And the third one we get by faith. If you go and read the last chapter of Revelation, it talks about we're heaven. It's incredible. You know, we see those scars. It's walk, you know, there's, there's a story of a little boy who was walking along. And he looked up, it was night with his dad, and he must have been on our place, and he looked up and saw all the stars. He said, wow, dad, if that's the wrong side of heaven, what does the right side of heaven look like? And I thought about that, that's cool. You know, imagine that, like, what does heaven look like? Stephen was being stoned in Acts 
7, 54 to 60. We're not going to talk about the whole of that. But he was being stoned and he looked up. He looked up to heaven. And he just, he was there and he just said, God, forgive him. Receive my spirit. You know, when we start thinking about heaven, when we get our mind on eternity, we actually get kinder to people. You know, because all those things don't irritate. Well, they don't irritate me so much. It's when people are, I've got my, I know where I'm going. And I really want these people to come in. But when they're problematic, we just, we're moving forward. Stephen, he just looked up and he, he received, God received his spirit. He fell asleep and woke up with Jesus. That's what happens when we go to heaven. We fall asleep. We don't die. We fall asleep. Stephen was the first martyr. And his name, Stephanus, means crown. God gave him a crown on that day he died. He looked up. He saw heaven open. And he said, come in. And Jesus welcomed him in. And that's how it is. You know, Enoch talks about Enoch. Enoch walked with the Lord. And Enoch didn't die. Enoch just went up. And my, our spiritual dad, he died four years ago this month. And talking to him. It was like we always thought he'd be like that. He'd be like Enoch because his family, they all lived, they all had a, a history of living to 103, 104. Bruce went a day before his 88th birthday. But it was like Enoch. He was just taken up. It was like God was walking along with Enoch, having a chat, and they got to a certain place. And God said, hey, Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you come home? <laughs> For me, it was like that. So, wow, come in. And he opened the door and he walked in. Now, there wasn't a day... There, it was just God just took him. And, I, and one day, I, I believe that will be for all of us. We walk along and God says, hey, my house is closer. Come home. It's a permanent place. God is a, heaven is a permanent place. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 2 says this. For we know that we live in an earthly tent. We live in the tent we live. It's destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands, Meanwhile, we groaned, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. You know, sometimes I wake up in the morning at my age and I groan. We all groan, but it's like, I want to be in this heavenly place. So you get torn. You get torn about where am I going? And Jesus was on the cross. And he had two criminals being crucified next to him. And one of those just turned to him and he said, Lord, I believe. I believe. He said, Remember me when you go to paradise. And Jesus said this in Luke twenty-two forty-three. He answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. In paradise. That guy didn't preach a sermon. He didn't evangelize anyone. He was just taken to heaven because he believed. He believed. The guy didn't. He just believed. It was a really present place right there on the cross. Present place. God just took us up. It's like we go from a tent to a palace. I don't like camping at my age anymore. I know some guys here, they go camping. It's great when you're young and you're camping away, but sometimes I just want to go from the tent to the Sofitel. But this is better than the Sofitel. This is like going from the tent to the palace. There's some, Pam watches a program on hotels around the world. and Some of them, you, you pay gazillions to stay in them, but it's like, it's way better than that too, Pam. Sorry. It's way better. It's like we don't die. We just move out. We just check out. I'm, I'm moving from a tent to a place. And heaven is a perfect place. We haven't got time to go through Revelation. But I'd encourage you, go read in Revelation 21. There's some incredible stuff. But in verses 3 to 5, it says this. I'll just read from 5. It said, here we go. He said, in a loud voice from the throne room, verse 3. Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. 
and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He wants us to dwell with him. Even on this planet, we can dwell in eternity. We can hang out with him. We can be there. And right at the end, you know, if you think people say to me, oh, I don't know about heaven. It says, he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Write down these words because they are trustworthy and they are true. They're trustworthy and they're true. Heaven for, with God forever. Says more in this, in this chapter about what's not in heaven than what is. It says these things. It says, you wipe away every tear. There's no more death. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. There's no more loss of a job. There's no more drug addiction. There's no more sexual abuse. There's no more physical abuse. There's no more of all of those things. Every tear has been wiped away. That's a cool place to go. You know, it'll be perpetual day. There's going to be a river of life flowing through. There's paved with gold. There's going to be cherubims. We're going to meet people. We're going to like meet Moses and Elijah. And it's like, hi, Mr. Moses. Uh, my name's Keith. <laughs> How are you going? You know, How are you going? There's a meeting like that. It's amazing. There's no more prison. There's no more of all of those things. It's, it's an amazing real place. But it's a reserved place. It's a reserved place only for God's family. Revelation 21, 27 says this. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful and deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So for that guy on the cross next to Jesus, his name got written in the Lamb book of life on the, the last breaths he was taking. It doesn't matter when we, we turn to Jesus. The last thing I, I want to say is that it's a purposeful place. It's a purposeful place. You know, what are we going to do in heaven? Uh, it actually has a purpose. We'll worship. I talked about that, didn't I? It's like drums plugged in, David leading worship. Go read Revelation 4 and 5 because in there it talks about us worshipping with heavenly hosts bowing down you know, on our knees. We've been in places where people say, oh, you sing those songs too many times. You're very repetitive. You repeat those songs. We're just not repeating those songs. We're giving glory to God. If you think we repeat them or you repeat them in other churches, wait till you get to heaven. 24-7 worship. Some of you are going, yes. Yeah. It says this. It says this because I've skipped the thing. It's a place of eternal rest as well. Eternal rest. All the fears are gone. Revelation 14, 13 said, Then I heard a voice in heaven. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. And it talks in about a place of service. It's a place that we can rest in. We can worship in. But it's actually this, this hope that we have that we can be reunited. I've sat recently with some people who really have lost people. They've, people have died in their family. But this is a place where us as believers, we get to hang out and be reunited. It says this in 1 Thessalonians in the message, 4.17. There will be one huge family reunion with the master. Wow. One big, huge family reunion. We do sorrow when there's, when there's a death. When there's a funeral, we grieve. But as believers, we're, we're not unbelievers. We're going there. We're going to see these people again. I reckon there's going to be a few surprises, though, when we get up there. You know, death for us is falling asleep like Stephen. We wake up and we're with Papa. We're with Jesus. We're in his presence. 
We get to see all our lost ones, those who love Jesus as well. There's like this meeting in the air. And I think of my, my grandmother. I was actually talking to someone this morning. I know that back in the day, my grandmother and my grandfather prayed for me. Mum and dad weren't believers. But my grandma prayed for me many, many years. And I, I look back now and go, well, her prayers, the seeds she sowed and the tears, tears she sowed on my behalf. Yeah, it took me 36 years to meet Jesus. But they, they reaped. I'll get to see her. That's cool. We get to see these people. We'll get a surprise about who's up there and who's not there. And as I was preparing, I came across this poem. I'm going to read it. It's only a two-line poem. It said, When you get to heaven, doubtless you will view many whose presence there will be a shock to you. <laughs> but don't look around or do not even stare. Doubtless there will be many surprised that you are there. <laughs> and I thought, how true is that? I mean, like, I get up there and, and people were going, Keith, what are you doing here? When I got saved for six months, people in work are going, what's the angle, Toddy? What are you trying to work here with this Jesus rubbish? And after six months, people have walking it and sucking it up because they give me a hard time. Anyone been in the cops? They don't give you an easy time. And at six months, they said, you're real about this. This is the real deal for you. And it, yes. And I'm surprised now. I've met many cops who, when I left the UK, who were just like me. They were messed up, born-again heathens. And one by one, I'm seeing them come to the Lord. And they're contacting me and searching. And it's cool. I get to hang out with a bunch of coppers. We won't wear our uniforms, we promise. But, you know, it'd be freaky what people are you know, going to say up there. Ooh, look, there's Keith. Yeah. And I'll just simply say this. It was the grace of God. I'm a trophy of God's grace. Each one of us are a trophy of God's grace. That, that's what gets us up there. It's not by works of tri you know, things we've done. It's by his grace and his mercy. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and dad will open it up. You know, Jesus is the good shepherd. Not one of us gets up there to be in merit. You know, it's not because we go to church or we do all the good stuff and we, we get involved in all the programs. As a great evangelist once said, and my, my spiritual dad used to repeat to me, Keith, just because you stand in the garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you come to church doesn't make you a born-again believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. That's where we need to land today. We need to know our hearts are right before him. I find it interesting, in the Old Testament, it was the sheep that got slaughtered, wasn't it? It was the ram in the thicket. You know, go up there and going to kill your son. Abraham took Isaac up there and, he, and, a, and a ram was produced. So the ram, the sheep got killed in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it was the good shepherd that got killed for the sheep. When he stretched out his arms in the New Testament, that's the truth. Jesus stretched out his arms. See, I stay, it says, I stand on the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in and I'll have fellowship with you. If he's knocking on someone's heart this morning, if you're not 100% completely understand, going to church is not going to cut it. God is saving the best for last. He's saving the best for last. Surely goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy. Yeah. That door that he's knocking on my heart, when he knocked on my heart, all those years ago, unfortunately, the door handle was on my side of the door. He couldn't force a door. He couldn't push through the door. He's just saying, Keith, it's time to come home. I had to open the door. We all have to open that door. You know, the handle's on the one side. 
We don't go to heaven because of all of these things. We don't go to heaven, as I said, because we've come to church. We go to heaven because surely goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life when we accept that mercy. See, lordship, mercy and, and is about lordship. If Jesus is not the Lord of every part of your life, he's not the Lord at all. So we need to start to think about that. And as we move into stuff around love and identity, we talk about lordship. Jesus truly saved the best for last. I just want to read this psalm, but I actually want to read it to finish this little series. I want to read it from the Passion Translation. I love the guys who wrote this, and people go, that's, you know, that's just not really a good interpretation. But the guys who wrote it, the Simmons family, they're passionate. And, and passionate about Jesus. They're not ashamed of the gospel. It says this. It says, the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. And as we finish this series, if you need a rest in his luxurious love this morning, I encourage you to just tell Jesus that. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, a quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. That's in your house. That's in your prayer times. That's in your time alone with Papa. It doesn't have to be, I'll read 27 chapters. You heard me say that at the beginning of the series. It just needs you to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I need my life restored and revived today. He opens before me pathways of God's pleasure. We're his kids. We get to hang out with dad and see his good pleasure. Pleasure. He leads me along the footsteps of his righteousness. It's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness. So that I can bring honour to his name. You know, YCBC, I, that's, that's the cry in our hearts, is to bring honour to God's name. To be seen as the people who God loves, to bring honour to his name. Lord, even when I pa my path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, of fear, fear will never con conquer me because you... You, Jesus, already have. You remain close to me and you lead me through it all the way. No matter what you're going through this morning, Jesus leads you through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and peace. We have authority. And when we understand the authority we have in the name of the King, we can push back powers of darkness. It's not our authority, it's His. It's my strength and it's my peace. My comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely because you're always near. You become my delicious feast. We can eat with Jesus and we can rest at his table every day. Even when my enemies dare to fight with me. <laughs> my dad's bigger than their dad. <sighs> yeah. You anoint me with this fragrance of the Holy Spirit. And you give me all I can drink until my heart overflows. Why would I fear the future? Goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I return to your glorious presence. We came from his presence. We're going back to his presence. We came from the dust. We go back to God. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask right now that your sweet holy presence, this Holy Spirit would pour out upon us. It would pour over us. Lord, it would restore the dry spots this morning. Lord, as we... We finished this series, Lord. You're not finished with us. So we can come back to this table anytime we want. We can come back to this place of rest, Lord. Lord, I pray for this year, the rest of this year, that you would remind us when we forget, when we do like Asaph, we get our eyes off you, Jesus.
we get our eyes onto the things of this world, you would just nudge us back into your presence. Holy Spirit, keep us walking with you. Guide us and lead us. Lord, as we, we as a leadership discern your presence and your, your leading this year, Lord, pour out on us, not by might or power, but by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would be known in this valley as people that God loves, that people would seek out your presence, that come to the well and drink deeply. They come to the well and drink deeply. Lord, you are doing something in this valley and you're doing something in, in this town, Lord, that is staring, staring up, Lord. It's bubbling up. You're doing a new thing. But Lord, I just thank you for your presence, your rest. Lord, I just ask that you just bless each soul that's here today and those online, Lord, as, as we just go into a song, Lord, a, a last time of lifting music up to you today in this place. And uh, I'd encourage you, don't leave here today. There's people here who are willing to stand if, if God's touched your heart about anything today. Don't leave, as Carl said, in the same way you came in. If you need someone to stand with you just to hear the story, then there's people. We'll be here. We're not rushing away. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.